Do you know the number one obstacle to financial success? Time or lack of it. Without enough time, you can't learn efficiently, plan effectively, or focus on the right strategies. That's why Real Vision offers you a simple and efficient way to gain expert knowledge, use time-saving market tools, and leverage the brain power of our community to help you succeed faster. Get a taste of financial freedom with our free offer at realvision.com forward slash free. Is it time to prepare for takeoff? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Dave Floyd, host of the Day Trader podcast and founder of Aspen Trading Group. We're going to catch up with Dave in just a minute. But first, Ash Bennington is here as well to give us an update on what is sure to be really big news event this week, and that is the regulatory decision on the spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, Ash, I know this is sort of what everyone's talking about, especially in your world. So what do we know at this point? So here's the latest, Maggie. What we've got is a lot of speculation about what is going to happen on January 10th. The reason that date is so important uh, is because that's the date that SEC has to provide guidance or a response uh, on the first filing. This is the one that comes from ARC. Uh, 21 shares is the uh, fund. Uh, this is uh, essentially the first Bitcoin spot ETF in the United States uh, that SEC is going to rule on. That's the deadline that's been assigned by the courts. Uh, the reason that that date is especially important is because there's speculation, again, speculation, uh, that with that uh, ruling from SEC may come a series of other rulings uh, for other applicants who have applied to have similar products put on the market, Maggie. Okay, so ARC is the kind of the first one, but the feeling is they're going to finally say, okay, like you, you get approval or no, this is not going to happen. And it seems like, I mean, we saw another rally in crypto. It seems like the, the, the feeling is that they're going to go ahead and approve it. Is that what the sort of the, the betting is right now? Well, that's the speculation, Maggie. And, and obviously, we know that crypto is very sentiment-driven. It's incredibly volatile. Uh, we see these types of rallies on uh, all kinds of speculation, all kinds of emotion, uh, whether or not this will actually play out. By the way, it doesn't necessarily mean one is going to get approved. There could, again, I want to stress, could uh, be a scenario where on January 10th, uh, SEC declines the first application from ARC and doesn't rule on any of the others. So this, there's a sense, as you say, there's a feeling that things are coming to a head. Whether or not that actually plays out remains to be seen. Obviously, a lot of speculation about this right now. That's a really, really excellent point, Ash. And that's what that's what makes this kind of tough, I think. So if we take a step back, why is this such a big deal? Why is everyone waiting for it? What are the implications of this for, for people who maybe haven't been following it as closely? Well, it's a big deal uh, because people who want exposure to Bitcoin don't really have any great ways to do it without figuring out uh, either how to custody the coins or going through uh, a crypto exchange uh, like, a, like a Coinbase. Uh, and the thinking here is if this is something that's just available in your brokerage account, you can call up your RIA and buy it that way. It dramatically simplifies the process of owning the underlying Bitcoin. Uh, it eliminates any of the potential custodial risk that you would be taking on yourself. Someone else uh, who presumably is well qualified to do that uh, will be taking on that risk. So the thought here is that this puts the asset, the Bitcoin itself, exposure to the asset, the long short exposure to the asset 
into the hands of a much greater variety of people uh, than the kind of folks, for example, who watch Real Vision uh, Pro Crypto, who are really passionate about this technology, who want to own the underlying coins themselves. It's seen as a moment, potentially, uh, where it could have a democratizing effect. Yeah. Well, it's going to be super exciting. Uh, Bitcoin up 5.8%, but we really saw it roller coaster around last week. Uh, so this is going to be interesting to see how we get through this week. Um, Ash, I know that you and the team are all over it. And we're going to be covering it um, really from, from all angles once we get that news. We look forward to it. Maggie, let me add just one more point sure. here. Uh, one of the things that's been speculated about here is that this is going to be uh, a buy the rumor, sell the news type event, which could happen. Uh, there are those who say that uh, it's been fully priced in, others who say it hasn't been fully priced in. Again, uh, with the nature of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency more generally, obviously highly volatile asset classes, that's what makes a market. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. We'll see, Ash. Thanks so much. So, um, Let's get let's get Dave. I want to bring you in. Very interesting. So, how do you approach a news event like this? First of all, are are you looking at Bitcoin? Um, and you know, what does the chart tell you? But also, just from your, we talk a lot about your your style. Just from from your point of view, especially something like Bitcoin, do you try to get ahead of news like that? Do you want to wait and see what happens? How would you think about something like that? It's a great question, Maggie. Thanks for having me back. First of all, and happy New Year. Um, I don't trade Bitcoin, um, but I do watch it because it's one of those instruments that you have to be aware of because it does <clears throat> have an impact and it, it drives sentiment, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think the idea of having an ETF for Bitcoin, it, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. A lot of people don't want to go and open a brokerage account at a, at a crypto firm or even go buy futures on, on um, Bitcoin. So I think the ETF makes a ton of sense. Is it possible that we'll get that, um, you know, sell the news, sell the news, you know, buy or buy the rumor, sell the news situation? Yeah, it's entirely possible, but speculation and, you know, at best you've got a 50-50 shot of being right there. Um, technically speaking, here's what I see, I see right now. Bitcoin's had obviously a great rally. And for me, we're above all of the, the critical levels that we came into the year um, looking to take out. So we're kind of in open space right now. And, you know, that can be a really good thing if you're long. If, you know, there's really not anything preventing it from going higher from a price action standpoint. But, um, you know, if we did get that pullback, you know, this news comes out on Thursday, I think is what Ash said. And it, let's say it's bullish for um, Bitcoin. You know, we could get a sell off. And if we did, the levels I'd be looking for, you know, not that far, that far below us, you know, 45,240. All the way down to about 44,400. You know, I think if we got back into that area, the news was beneficial and prices looked as though they wanted to hold those levels, that would probably be a good entry point. I think the line in the sand right now would be down at 41,940. We go below there, probably represents more of a deep pullback. But again, now I'm going to start speaking above my pay grade because it's not an instrument that I trade but it is an instrument that I monitor. Yeah. Listen, uh, it's an instrument a lot of people haven't been trading. <laughs> so what, yeah, what we true. know, especially if it goes mass, what we what we think we know about it and then what happens is very interesting. As usual, <clears throat> the chat's on fire. Um, and Paul English, hi, Paul, um, is saying Vanek is estimating $1 billion of inflows into spot Bitcoin ETFs within the first few days. Let's remember, I believe Vanek is one of the people who have an application for uh, the ETF, so they could be talking their book. But it's all speculation, right? We just don't know, which is why it's going to be such a fascinating story. Um, and by the way, we it's education month. We are going to be doing crypto week. 
We're going to have Raul rolling up, uh, you know, as soon as the news is out to give his thoughts on this. And we're going to be pulling a lot of people in to talk about, you know, how they approach this, both people who are, you know, newer and, and involved in in the kind of ETF side of it once that gets going, and also people who have been trading crypto for a long time um, and who have some experience through some of the ups and downs. So, and we've got the Crypto Academy as well. So if this is something that's on your radar, stay tuned and stay with us because we're going to have a lot for you. Okay, uh, Dave, another news item I know you're watching is Boeing. I'm sure everyone saw the incredible footage just all over the internet of the blown off door. So terrifying uh, and incredible. And of course, the investigative side of that is going to continue. The stock took a hit, though, down six and a half percent when I last checked. I don't know. I'm not sure where it closed. But what are you looking at from a technical point of view on Boeing here? Yeah, it's really interesting. And if you just completely tune out the, the headlines and the potentially bad news, you know, again, the market's always right. The market figures out where to price things. It's our job to get in line with where the market wants to take it. So not that this makes it easy in terms of a trade, but I think we have two levels that will pretty much dictate what does happen in terms of this Boeing situation, barring any more you know, headlines being negative per se. And the levels are pretty clear for me. Uh, 234.34, that's upside. We're right now at 229.90, basically close to 230 bucks. And then down to $222.91. Until we break above that, uh, upper level or below that upper level, <clears throat> in my view, that's going to dictate the bull bear case going forward. Mm. Uh, you know, given the the overall tone of the market and given the overall tone or the general direction, uh, the general trend of Boeing, you know, if we get above, I, I would lean more towards above the 234 level um, because we did open lower today, but we didn't really, um, we came well off the low. So, if I had to make a bet right now, I'd say we'd probably go back above that 234 level. But again, that's speculation. I, if I were trading Boeing, I'm going to wait for a break above that level and buy the pullback or break below that level and sell that rally. And I think that's the best way to do it. Anything else is really just speculation and a coin flip. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Yeah. And it is. It's hard when you when you not only get a lot of noise and news around uh, a stock like that, but also it's sort of, you know, viral. Right. Because of the the nature of it, then you get a lot of people sort of jumping on with sentiment. So great to have those levels to look at. So if we look at the overall stock market, talk about sentiment. It's been a little bit of a, you know, a rough year. I think everyone expected to see a pullback. I don't think that surprised anyone. Um, but then we kind of come back in today and we see stocks higher. We, in fact, tech leading again, which is kind of, you know, a, again, the, the fake out that everyone struggled with last year. You know, there's a lot of people who feel like that's overvalued. And yet when we get these pullbacks, it seems like technology leads us out. What are you looking at when we look at the broader market, the overall market? Well, you know, for the S&P 500, I, again, I go back to price levels. And it's one thing to say price levels. But what do I mean by that? I mean, for me, price levels are dictated by where a tremendous amount of volume and, and um, trades took place over a, a period of time. So it's basically the, the market leaving a footprint. It's not just an arbitrary price level because that doesn't really mean anything. What drives markets is where a whole bunch of trades took place at a particular level. That creates an inflection point. 
And the inflection point is where you can make your trades, whether it be a bullish trade, a bearish trade. Then, of course, you have to go into kind of your overall trading strategy and kind of take the temperature of the market. But that's getting a little too into the weeds for what your question is. Um, yeah, coming into this year, I think everybody's maybe on round two of the question of when will the recession be? Because everybody got it wrong last year, by and large. You know, it seemed logical that we would go into a recession, but we didn't. Now everybody's thinking the same thing. And I, what I heard people saying last week when the market was selling off is like, okay, here we go finally. But guess what? We held above a couple of key price levels. And if you look at the context of the price action last week, relative to what we've seen since the end of October when we had that big rally, this looks like just a standard correction. And the move today is the resumption of the trend higher. So absent some really crappy CPI uh, data tomorrow that, ha that forces everybody to reevaluate what the Fed's going to do, I don't think that 4840 level is out of the question. And if we get above there, 4970 would be on my radar. So, you know, again, I think it's too early. It's, it's tempting to want to say, oh, we've gone too far too quick. We're going into a recession. The Fed's not going to cut as much. Maybe. I don't know. Again, speculation. I'd rather just try to get in line with what the market's doing. And today the market gave a pretty clear indication that it, it took out what it wanted to take out last week and people are rebuilding. Wow. That 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 does seem surprising. How do you I think it's just a good a good juncture to talk about how you think about and deal with sentiment versus trying to stay true to what you're seeing happening on the charts, because I think that we all know, you know, we struggle with that. But there the narrative about just the market, that huge rally just being so overbought and people chasing performance. You know, you know all the arguments that 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 it just went too far too fast. There was such a kind of feeling that maybe that was the case and that there were a lot more as we entered 24, it seemed like there was a lot more like worry and concern in the market. How do you separate that sort of sentiment game from what you're seeing on the charts? Well, oftentimes the sentiment gain can be wrong, or even if it is right, it, it takes so much longer to play out. Meaning that if, it, if the sentiment's overly bullish, it, it goes on longer than you think and, and vice versa. I think the key thing is, and um, you know, Mike Green talked about this many years ago, you, know, you have an underlying bid in the market through all these passive inflows into you know, index funds. To the best of my knowledge, that still continues. And I think that just keeps an underlying bid in the market that you have to be cognizant of. It's, it's really hard to fight that. Mm. Absent some real big negative catalyst, it's kind of like adding slow drips of gasoline to the fire. The fire will never go out. It might wane, but then more gasoline gets added and it, the flames uh, spark up again. So yeah, I think you have to look at that as an underlying driver of the market because until that changes, and there's no way to know when it changes, but People presumably are always going to dollar cost average, add to their 401k. And I think the other thing, too, and this is much harder, and I'm, I'm certainly no expert at it, but I talk to enough people who have better insights than I do, is, you know, options flow. Options have grown tremendously in the last year. The popularity of them, the volume, et cetera, et cetera, that there or that, too, has a knock on effect because dealers have to hedge their positions and that usually involves buying the underlying stock or the underlying futures contract. So you've got structural components of the market currently that just kind of keep a bid in it. And again, that doesn't make it 
you know, you go on autopilot and, you know, go play rounds of golf and expect to make tons of money. Um, but it's really hard to be bearish with those structural uh, components um, underlying the market. I think that's a really, really great observation, Dave. And I think it's something we forget sometimes. And we, you know, we talk about it and we know that it's happening. And a lot of people who are listening are in the options market and they're participating and we're all contributing to our 401s. Certainly in the U.S., we have to fund our own pensions. So there, we, we sort of know it's happening, but it is easy to forget, especially because online, certainly on Twitter, the the voices, the bare voices are very loud, you know, so you don't hear as much that sort of, you know, steady flow. And that's why a lot of people are watching flows so closely. So really great reminder for all of us. So when we're, you know, there, there used to be stocks used to be the only game in town, but last mm -hmm. year that got interesting. Right. And so now we're all paying a lot more attention to bonds. And a lot of people argued mm -hmm. that bonds were actually the driver of a lot last year as we saw those yields whip around. Before we get your thoughts, um, I we usually don't do this, but we we have an, another technician on, actually pro, our pro crypto. Uh, he does his regular updates, Peter Pekas, uh, has off, And he uh, is talking all assets and he was talking about the 10 year because it's had an impact on risk assets, including crypto as well. Um, and he's watching the 10-year Treasury bond very closely. Let's have a listen to what he has to say. You're going to see him talking over his chart, but let's listen to what he had to say, and then I want to get your thoughts on the other side. I do think that this support at 3.75 on the 10-year yield is just the clearest that I've seen in a while. And in fact, we're eight out of nine on that TD9 uh, buy setup. So um, and TDST support at 3.67. So this area is, is just a huge, huge, huge level of support. And we are probably, I think, going to go test back up to 4.4%. That's going to be the real, in my opinion, the real, real, real test for where we are in the inflation cycle, where we are on how much uh, interest rates control the environment. If we start to probe back above 4.5%, it's, it's not going to be looking good for anything. And that full episode and outlook is on the platform. If you are not a member, go over to realvision.com and figure out how you can get your membership. Or if you want to upgrade to be able to see Peter's stuff all of the time, you can find out how to do that as well. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking about for bonds? This this is a trade that I feel was so painful for so many people last year. So there's a, a little bit of, uh, I, I think people are coming at it a little tentatively and yet again, we started to see a little bit of wobble with the, you know, look like yields were going straight down. And then we saw a little bit of a wobble. What are you looking at for the 10 year? I follow the 10 year really close, as you know. I mean, let, let's face it, it, it's, it is the price of money globally. So it's so, um, it's so important to financial markets in general, whether it be currencies, options, crypto, whatever. Um, but that being said, um, Again, I try to keep things as, as straightforward as possible. And ever since, uh, what was it, about November, we've, we've had rates moving lower. And um, that's obviously going to be driving 10-year uh, note prices higher. I don't see any real reason to get in the way of that particular forecast or that particular trend. The other thing, too, is, again, going back to price levels. There's a whole stack of levels above us in terms of the yield, those levels being um, 4.15, 4.22, and 4.29. Not too far from where we are right now. We're at 403. Um, 
then I think the market's going to have a really hard time getting through. It doesn't mean that they can't, but again, when you've got a whole cluster of these levels that have very long look-back periods, meaning a lot of trades took place at those levels, market usually takes a lot to get through those. Mm. And number two, and again, this is a little bit more on the macro, maybe subjective, so well, maybe not subjective. I mean, the Fed's made it clear they're, they're willing to consider cutting rates. Now, you, you may disagree with the Fed. You may agree with the Fed. That's a hot topic. And that's not really what the question is. But they do kind of call the shots. Mm -hmm. And if they're saying that they're seeing lower rates in 2024, I'm going to believe that to some degree if it lines up with what I'm seeing technically. So for me personally, I think this little rally in rates, i.e. pullback in 10-year notes over the last few days, is probably going to be an opportunity for those that may not have got long. 10-year notes back in um, was it late November, early December, um, to do just that. And um, we could go a little bit higher. Again, tomorrow's inflation data could be a real, you know, a real game changer. Who knows what that's going to entail and who knows how the market will react. But I think ultimately rates will probably push lower based purely from a technical standpoint. And again, kind of using the Fed's own language. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think that, you know, Peter also brought up the point, you're so right. It's been so pivotal, and a lot of asset markets are keying off what's happening with these U.S. rates. Um, I think Peter said if it if it starts to go back above four and a half percent, it's not going to be looking good for anything. It, you know, it's going to have a dampering effect. Uh, the macro butler asking Dave, what do you think of the chart of the U.S. ten-year yield consolidating above four percent? So you just said there's a lot of levels that are going to be hard to push through. It doesn't mean they can't. But it's going to be a little bit of a battle if the if yields were to go higher again. Does it look like the path is much easier going lower, or is there a probability that we just kind of sit in this range as people try to figure out what's going on with the U.S. economy? Uh, it's a great question, and I think a lot depends on on what happens from an economic data standpoint. You know, it's the one thing a lot of people don't think about. It's so easy to come into situations and expect a reaction up or down off of levels. But a lot of people, myself included, sometimes forget that the, the third action is nothing at all. And I think he brings up a good, he or she brings up a good point there. Maybe the market just muddles through at 4% for a while or just under this you know, 4.2 level and we go nowhere. That's entirely possible, but that would probably only happen if we're just getting a lot of nuanced market data that doesn't really offer any real clues. I don't think that'll be the case in 2024, but you know, time will tell. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. So the other, the other big um, sort of asset a lot of people want to get right at the start of the year that has a big impact is the dollar. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you watch currencies really closely. What are you looking at for the U.S. dollar? Well, the dollar index, I don't have that chart up right now, but I can pull it up. So give me a moment here. I can, I'll touch upon euro as well, because that would be the natural conduit to that. So give me just a moment here. I'll get that dollar index up. No worries. While you do that, I just want to mention, I think uh, we were talking to Ash at the top about, uh, you know, this news that's coming out. 13 companies have filed for spot Bitcoin ETFs. So 
it's going to be an interesting, you know, when, when we get that news, um, we're going to have a lot to weed through. Do we hear about all of them? Do we hear some? Do we only hear a yes or no on ARC? And then we have to wait for the others. There's a lot to go through. I just saw that list come up in front of me. So I just wanted to mention that. And Vanek is one of them that we talked about earlier. You know, you, you asked about the dollar index and it, and it ties in really nicely, or you asked about the dollar. I'm, I'm going to look at the dollar index. Uh, again, that ties in really nicely with where interest rates are going because the cost of money impacts, um, you know, what happens in terms of flows into and out of the dollar, especially dollar yen. I know you didn't ask about that, but mm. that would be a side note to that. The dollar index is pretty tricky. If you look from February of last year to where we are now, it's just been a very big sideways range. Currently, we're kind of in the lower end of that range. That doesn't mean we're going to spike higher per se. I think I would only really get bullish on the dollar if we got back above 103.56, and that's on the dollar index. I think if we get back below 101.45, which is where we're closer to now, I think we'll see the dollar lose, um, lose more ground. And that would imply, presumably, lower rates in the U.S. that would send dollar yen um, higher, I'm sorry, lower and the euro higher. And but euro as well is just like the dollar index, it's moving sideways. And I think until the euro can get above significantly above, let's say 110, yeah, 110, 10 on the spot, it's in a sideways chop. And it's something that's really not of interest to me at this point in time. Mm. Uh, any other currencies on your radar, or is the dollar the one that you're most interested in? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the only currencies I really trade are euro, dollar, yen, Aussie dollar. Um, yeah, I thought I you traded trade. Aussie dollar. Yeah, and Aussie dollar is interesting. Again, the thing that's interesting about the Australian dollar is that it has a has that kind of risk on, risk off component to it. So there are times when you know the dollar index might be rallying, let's say, and equities are rallying, and then the Aussie dollar is on a tear to the upside. You know, right now you've got kind of a, a bifurcated situation for the Aussie dollar. You've got the dollar index lower um, at times, and then you get the dollar index higher and the equities kind of back and forth in the last few days. So right now in equity land or equity, I mean, FX land, don't see a lot of opportunities. I think the biggest opportunity, quite frankly, is going to be dollar yen, and it's going to be predicated on what happens in 10-year rates, and it's going to be happen or predicated probably tomorrow based on that CPI report. I I had a huge, or continue to have a huge cluster of levels up at 145 up to 145.38, which we stopped dead at last Friday and have sold off of. If we remain below there, um, you know, we're probably heading into the 130s in terms of dollar yen. But again, that also predicates lower interest rates, lower U.S. dollar. Right. And of course, we're so think, continuing to watch the Bank of Japan as well and what kind of moves they may make. Exactly. So, you know, one way to tie all this together, because we you, you've been asking, you know, where do we see rates going? Where do we see these things going? This is where you start to look at some of the related markets, like in the currencies. That doesn't I'm just looking at dollar yen right here and saying, well, dollar yen doesn't seem too interested in higher rates here in the U.S. If it did, presumably it would have been higher. It wouldn't have failed at those levels last Friday. That's not an absolute, but you know, it's those little clues you take along the way that you use to kind of use it as a weighing machine as to whether or not you want to lean one way or the other. Now, the Apple car can get turned upside down tomorrow based on the CPI data, 
But based on what I'm seeing right now, it looks as though lower rates might be in the cards. Yeah. I think we're going to have, I think the CPI data comes out on Thursday. I think that's back. That's at the end of the week. So we're going to have to, which is painful because it means we'll be in a, we'll be in this sort of, you know, holding pattern until we get that because so much has been keying off inflation. Mm -hmm. Timothy has a great question. um, And we actually have a a comment from someone, but uh, Timothy asked for those of us who don't trade, what's your overview of using charts just as a guide? So if you're not actually putting trades on, can they still inform you in terms of, you know, how, how you need to be thinking about, say, a stock or an asset? Well, my answer is going to be a little bit biased, but I think even if I try to be really objective with it, I think the answer is yes. Um, I think anybody who's been in the markets for a long time realizes the, the efficacy of not only technical analysis, but of course, fundamental and macro analysis. Each has its you know, strengths, each has its weaknesses. I think when you combine the two, and since we're talking about investing here from this particular uh, question, I think combining the two makes a tremendous amount of sense because the one thing fundamental analysis maybe doesn't do a very good job at is timing. Um, You might arrive at a conclusion that a stock is cheap, represents good value, et cetera, et cetera. But unless the rest of the market recognizes that, you're kind of the lone wolf in the in the woods talking your book and nobody is there to listen listen to you. So that's where I think charts can come in because charts can give you help you with your timing of that, prevent you from maybe buying something too early and sitting with dead money and you know having a lot of, incurring a lot of opportunity costs until that takes off. So I would strongly encourage anybody to become proficient in charts because I think it can really help you with your fundamental and macro analysis as well. Yeah, it's just what we talk a lot about having your toolbox, right? It's one one set of that skill for, you know, as you build your overall framework, which is why we have Dave and a lot on technicals um, in the academy because you know, you use them all together and we've heard Raul talk about how charts really help him make sense even though he definitely does have narratives and secular trends that he watches. He likes to sort of, you know, back test everything with charts. Um, and Marty mm-hmm. F is um, also agreeing, uh, saying, I use Dave's support levels and I'm not a trader. His levels can be used for both short and long term. Um, so thank you for that, Marty. Uh, so, Dave, when you're looking at what, what chart do you really like right now? What, which, you know, what are you really interested in? What's most exciting for you right now? Right now for me, S&P 500. Um, this move today actually, you know, uh, gets me thinking to be back on the bull side and I'll be looking. And I was long today. Was I long for the whole rally? Nope. <laughs> um, it's hard to do that. Everything in hindsight is always easy. You know, if you can catch a percentage of a move on a, on a shorter, if you're a shorter term trader like I am, you know, consider yourself, you know, in, in the camp of, you know, good job, you know, well done. Um, these types of markets where they just grind up all session can be challenging because we're used to the markets ebbing and flowing, even on an intraday basis. So, but my takeaway from today is that, okay, that was really impressive. We were kind of setting a bearish tone last week and bearish tone is probably too strong of a phrase or description, but you know, you could feel it last week. People were like, okay, here we go, here we go. And then boom, the market, again, proving these folks not wrong, but at least, you know, for the time being, you know, on the wrong side of the coin. So for me, this move in the S&Ps today is encouraging. I think we could build from there. 
So I'd be very interested in buying pullbacks. So that's where my focus will be, obviously 10-year notes, but from a trading perspective, not really interested in anything in FX just yet. So S&Ps is my answer to your question. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, it has been an interesting start to the week and it's going to uh, continue to be as we get that really important data. Um, fantastic stuff, Dave. Jack I, Jack has a question. I just want to acknowledge it um, because as we said, Dave's, Dave's not really, he watches Bitcoin, but he doesn't trade it. Um, Jack was asking, could we see a similar run-up correction like in 2019 Bitcoin chart when it rallied to 10K, then bled out over a year? Could institutional inflows and the halving change things? That 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 last part, Jack, is the bajillion dollar question that everyone's wondering about and why we've seen all of this sort of movement in crypto. Um, and there are a lot of thoughts on that. I would encourage you to just tune in, go over to our website. We have shows. Uh, we've been doing a ton on this and we will be all over it once we start to get these announcements with a lot of different opinions. Um, you know, we've got some people who are obviously very dedicated, really love the technology. We have other people who are from a macro background that are going to give you their, their thoughts on it. Um, and there is, a, a, as we know, diverse set of opinions, but we're going to air them all and kind of work through what this could possibly mean. So if you are not an RV member, head over, get your membership. Some of them can be free if you want. And um, and then just follow us. We'll, we'll keep you posted and we'll answer those questions in the coming week. Um, and I, I we're in I can't remember, Brian, are we in crypto week for education or it's next week? I think it's next week. Um, we're in exponential age this week, but we're going to have a whole education set on crypto next week as well to help you figure this all out. We're going to do it together. So be sure to join us for that. Dave, always great to catch up with you. Thank you for walking through all the levels we need to be aware of in this crazy beginning of this market. Appreciate you. Hey, not a problem, Maggie. Great to be on. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you for the great conversation that's been taking place. Some people taking a lot of bets. I love it, Christopher. Let us know how it goes. Um, thanks, everybody. We'll be back same time tomorrow and we'll send out some alerts if we do special programming on any news that breaks on crypto or macro for that matter. So keep your eye out on the app and the website for that. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. We hope you enjoyed this episode. At Real Vision, we arm you with the expert knowledge, time-efficient tools, and a powerful network to help you succeed on your financial journey. Get a taste of financial freedom with our free offer at realvision.com forward slash free.